Tony Scott died age 68 on Sunday afternoon, Los Angeles time, jumping off one of the city's bay bridges. It has been reported that he'd been diagnosed with an inoperable brain tumour. So if it is true, and given his incredibly productive life, it perhaps makes a little bit of sense. He directed 16 feature films, as well as producing close to 40 TV series. In addition to that, he made literally thousands of commercials. I don't know them all, but certainly the best I have seen would have to be the mini epic for BMW starring Clive Owen and Gary Oldman. It's called Beat the Devil. It's on YouTube and is a nine minute near riot of light, movement and colour. The luxurious manner in which he presents the product, the car, should come as no surprise. Tony Scott adored speed and he owned several racing cars, Ferrari Testarossa being his preferred model. But that was on terra firma. Scott also loved the air, paragliding, parachuting, abseiling. Remember, this is the man who gave us Top Gun. Gentlemen, you are the top 1% of all naval aviators. The elite, best of the best. We'll make you better. Fly at least two combat missions a day, 10 classes in between, and evaluations of your performance. Now, in each combat sequence, you're going to meet a different challenge. Every encounter is going to be much more difficult. We're going to teach you to fly the F-14 right to the edge of the envelope, faster than you've ever flown before. More dangerous. Oftentimes known as the younger brother of the more revered Ridley Scott, a lot of people will tell you Tony Scott came from commercials. Yes, but that is only half the story. Like Ridley, he graduated from London's Royal College of Art, and I encourage you to watch his first short film from 1971. It's on YouTube and it's called One of the Missing. Taken from a short story by Ambrose Bierce, it is shot in black and white on a shoestring graduate school budget, and it shows a number of techniques that would later become Tony Scott's trademark, telephoto lenses and occasional rapid cutting. In his early career, and by that I mean his early commercials from the 1970s, Tony was initially hired as a replacement for Ridley. By then, Ridley had already extended himself into directing feature films. So with Ridley unavailable, Tony was expected to mimic Ridley's style, which is fine, but I would argue that beautiful as Ridley Scott's compositions are, Tony had a far more adventurous, experimental and diverse style. All you have to do is look at the colour palette and editing patterns and listen to the soundscapes of his feature films, starting with his first one, The Hunger, which he made in 1983, and then contrast it with his last one, Unstoppable, which he made in 2010. You sit here, I'll go out. Just keep it at four. Ugh. You all right? Take it easy. Yeah. easy. Hold that dynamic out of four. Four. Integrate it with the throttle if you have to. Hold it out of four. Done. Hey, don't get sentimental on it. Makes me think I'm going to die. Just hold that four. On the surface, Scott's films appear to be the same. But that critique says more about the critic than it does about Scott's work, which is ironic because critics regularly dismissed him as nothing but surface. The truth is that most critics don't have the capacity to examine a film beyond the surface. And by surface, I mean story. Most film critics will review the plot, but for filmmakers like Tony Scott, plot is boring. They are interested in form, the color, the sound, and the editing. For far too long, film has been seen as an extension of the novel. For far too long, film has been seen as a medium for telling stories. Well, how about this? 
Before a plot got cinema into a vice-like grip, cinema was a free-form medium of experimentation. And as such, it owed a lot more to painting, ballet and architecture than it did to books. If you think about it, painting is obvious because an image is about composition. You must include ballet because in the early days of cinema, before the arrival of synchronised sound, it was the actors' movements and not their words that indicated what was going on. Put it another way, the movement was about choreography. And once you see that, you realise that cinema does not have to be about plot. It can also be about time and space. In the digital age, we watch films at 25 frames per second. That takes time. And the image articulates the space. So, time and space. Now, if you look at his thriller Deja Vu, you will know exactly what I mean. It has Denzel Washington travelling back in time to prevent a terrorist attack that has already resulted in the deaths of hundreds of people. Right, but given enough lead time, we can look anywhere within the target area. Right? It's the when that's always constant. It's always four days and six hours ago. Always. You understand? It's like a single trailing moment of now in the past. Okay. So if, 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 if you can't move forward or backward in time, how is it the image keeps speeding up like that? It's not the image that's moving faster, it's just our shifting point of view. The passage of time remains constant, but we can shift our point of view within the data stream as fast as we want. You understand? Yeah, yeah, no. I've mentioned time and space, and in cinema, that is expressed through editing. When you cut from one shot to another, you are cutting across time and slicing up space. And that, my friends, is what interested Tony Scott. The plot was just an excuse for him to experiment with the different ways he could create his canvas. You see, that's the key. I said Tony Scott graduated from London's Royal College of Art, and he went there with the intent of being a painter. Keep that in mind the next time you're watching one of his films, and then you will realise he kept pushing for more vivid and saturated film stocks, why his colours seemed to pulsate, why he loved to use rapid editing and multiple dissolves, crushing one image over another until they resembled a collage of chaos. Attention on deck. Von Clausewitz will now tell us exactly who the real enemy is. Von? <laughs> in my humble opinion, in the nuclear world, the true enemy is war itself. That was Denzel Washington again, this time in Crimson Tide. Washington made four more pictures with Scott, but when it came to the stars, the real star was never Washington or Gene Hackman, Tom Cruise or Will Smith. No, the real star of a Tony Scott film was the celluloid itself. Look no further than Man on Fire and you will see how he experimented in every way, even going so far as to splash the dialogue in written form across the frame. You see... He was not satisfied with the mundane subtitles, so instead he wanted to put them to use, make the dialogue a visual motif. Let me show you what I got here. See this? This is a charger used by convicts to hide money and drugs. They stick it in their body, they tuck it up their rectum. You familiar with that? This, look at me, pencil detonator. Timer, used as a receiver, transmitter, C4, highly explosive. You put them all together, you got a bomb. Not very sophisticated, but very powerful. That's what you have in your ass right now. With respect to his great older brother, these experiments are something Ridley has never done. In terms of visual style, Ridley is a 19th century romantic, while Tony was a 20th century pop artist. Check out the paintings of Roy Lichtenstein and Robert Rauschenberg, and you will see what I mean in Top Gun, 
Domino, Man on Fire, and True Romance. Do you know who I am, Mr. Wally? I give up. Who are you? The Antichrist. You got me in a vendetta kind of mood. You tell the angels in heaven you never seen evil so singularly personified as you did in the face of the man who killed you. My name is Vincent Cocotti. I work as consul for Mr. Blue Lou Boyle, the man your son stole from. I hear you were once a cop, so I can assume you've heard of us before. Am I correct? I've heard of Blue Lou Boyle. In a recent survey conducted by Sight and Sound magazine, Alfred Hitchcock's Vertigo was voted as the best film ever made. When it was initially released in 1959, most critics regarded it as a failure. Not all of Scott's films were good. A number of them were bad. But I suggest looking at his films in the light in which he saw them. Pop art. And in time, I hope we will appreciate more the great talent that was Tony Scott. And I still think like a painting or director, directing is very similar. Actually, it's all about making choices. Well, it's very similar. The process is, hasn't changed. And the studios hate to hear that when you say, I still think like a painting. Now you're doing a $100 million movie. Oh.